There, there's another another important topic we've talked about that's built in that. I mean, you're right, in my opinion, too. The infinite game, finite game that Simon Simic uh, talks about is in play here. What's another one that's in play here? Definitely say, I mean, it ties in, but um, making decisions based on uh, love versus making decisions based on fear. Exactly right. Right. Because fear, the- fear of losing market share, fear of losing profitability to a competitor. Right. Is all built in that decision making. So sticking to your why and sticking to more of a love based kind of decision. Love for your company, love for your employees, love for your customers. And by customers, I mean not only the airlines, but the people they're put, the airlines are putting in their airplanes. Right. From that perspective, is being made. Hello, and welcome to the Generate Your Value podcast. I'm your co-host, Andy McDowell, founder and owner of Generate Your Value, providing life, leadership, and small business coaching services in the Atlanta area. And I'm Zach Levy, your other co-host. I run a nationwide financial service business with my wife, Megan. Together, Zach and I have the intention to bring you tips, concepts, ideas, suggestions, stories, and analogies from A to Z, which will help you to grow your personal brand and small business in such a way that joy, happiness, and success as you define it for yourself are achieved. We hope to use our gifts, talents, and experiences in business to generate value in your life. And with that being said, let's move to our topic for today. Generate Your Value podcast. I'm your co-host, Zach Levy, and with me today is Andy McDowell, as always. Great to see you, Andy. Great to see you, Zach. It is a gorgeous fall Tuesday here in Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, emphasis is on fall. It's Thank finally, God. I'm sure our, our audience is tired of us talking about weather, but it, it, we probably won't from here on in because well, it's finally arrived. But. If, uh, if you've never spent an extended amount of time in Georgia, you might get all four seasons in a day sometimes. So there is that. Yes. <laughs> And you have a strong chance of two of the seasons only lasting a week or two. Right. So, but. And unfortunately, it's our favorite seasons, too, unfortunately. I know. Yeah. So, it's a little bit crisp in the air. You know, football season's a great time of year, but I digress. So, this morning, we're going to take it a little bit of a different route and actually do a little bit of a case study with a big news topic that's going on right now in the world and really dig into how that applies to a few of the episodes we've dug into before Mm -hmm. and the principles we've dug into before. So, Andy, what exactly are we talking about today? Yeah, so we wanted to bring a a real-world example of some things that were involved in decision-making. I really didn't want our audience to think we're just up on our soapbox just pontificating on these things, that there's reasons why we bring this to bear in the conversation and what we do. There is whether, value. Whether, there is value in in what we say with the po- in the podcast uh, and the episodes that we do. So we wanted to bring some of the topics we've done in previous episodes to a, a real life case. And I'm bringing this one because it involves a company I used to work for, and so I know some some background of some things that I can 
that I can bring without getting into legal trouble. But it's my, my former employer, Boeing. Last week, the chief technical pilot for the 737 MAX program. This is the airplane that was involved in two accidents, one in Indonesia and one in Africa that cost people's lives and caused the FAA to ground the airplane for about 18 months, I think it was. The chief technical pilot was indicted on six charges of fraud on Thursday, and then on Friday he pleaded not guilty to it. But before we, we get into that piece of it, let me, let me provide some context about the 737 airplane. So the 737 airplane is Boeing's biggest seller in terms of volume. It's their smallest. I take that back. 717 may be the smallest, but it's the it hits the sweet spot for a lot of airlines around the world, and therefore it's its biggest seller. But it doesn't make a lot of profit for the company. The um, wide-body jets, the 787, 777-type-sized airplanes make more profit for, for the company. And it's publicly known. So the plane's been around for 50 years. And a number of years ago, Boeing had decided that it was probably about time for a redesign. So they, they brought out the 787, a lot of carbon fiber technology to make the airplane light. And therefore get much longer range to replace the 767 with. Uh, and they took that technology and applied it to the wings of the 777X that's now going through the certification process for the 777 replacement. And so there was a lot of noise in the company about it's time to totally redesign the 737 because it's been around for 50 years. It's probably time. And so that's the direction that the executives were heading for the airplane when their main competitor, who is Airbus, and the main competing airframe of theirs against the Boeing 737 is the 320 series, 320, 321, 319. Had made the business decision to re-engine their airplane to get more fuel efficiency, which is, is a process that takes a lot less time, a lot less re-engineering work to get that efficiency to the market, which sort of then made the decision from Boeing to sort of stop in their tracks and stop thinking about and making plans to totally redesign the 737. So, Zach, what, when you hear that Boeing's made that decision, what what pieces of what we've talked about comes to mind? The that first decision? one that pops up would definitely be the discussion we had about the you know, infinite game versus the finite game. Right. That's the very first thing. Right. To sort of stop in your tracks and say, no, we got to keep up with the Joneses. Right. Sort of lends itself to, this is a Wall Street stock price mm -hmm. profits kind of decision, right? Right. It's a, you know, it's the bottom line decision. It's the profits decision. It's answering to the stockholders decision. Cash flow. Right. Instead of, like we talked about before, staying in your lane and, following through with the why of the company, if you will. Right. To be able to take the new technologies that were developed in other airframes and bring them to use that strategy, which is working well for you. Right. Your customers are loving the 7.8. They have expectations for what triple, new 777 is going to look like. And now, because it's your biggest volume seller now, all of a sudden that strategy doesn't work for you anymore because of what your competitor is doing. Right. Even though, 
right? Speaking of the, you know, finite game versus the infinite game. So just going to, we've got to win in the market right now, right? We've got to keep yeah. up with this piece right now. Whereas if, if you stay in your lane, let the competition do their thing. Yet if you stay in your lane, you could leapfrog leaps and bounds further of just taking a shortcut and re-engineing planes. Well, you have a strategic advantage because you've developed this carbon fiber technology and it, Airbus is not really bringing that to their airframes. Right. Which is the reason why their their true only strategy most likely is just re-engineing right. the 320 series. Right. You don't have, you haven't developed a carbon fiber technology that can match what Boeing's doing. And that's why the 787 was selling like hotcakes per se. Right. It was in Boeing tiled this a lot. The seven eight seven was opening up new markets for airlines because now all of a sudden you had some cities that were within reach mm-hmm. from a fuel perspective, and these cities had a market or demand size that you know the triple seven or seven four couldn't match in terms of revenues. But a smaller plane with less people on it, now you're talking, right? You know, in terms of a revenue profitability, we can make that work for airlines. And so that was the reason why the 787 was so attractive. But now all of a sudden, you're stopping in your tracks, you're getting out of that swim lane, and you're making a strategy decision that, oh, we need to go match what the competitor's doing. You know, that's that sort of lends itself that you sort of lost your why. Mm-hmm. Well, again, it's... You're getting out of your lane, so to speak, in terms of what you did strategy-wise that was working for you with two other airframes. It's going from the long-term why, again, the infinite game, right? That you just continue to improve and get better, right? We talked about that in business last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, taking a left-hand turn just to go chase, you know, making sure we maintain our profits and the short term that in the end made some very, very costly decisions just to not see a little blip in the trajectory, if you will. Right. And while this is going on, Boeing is having a lot of conversations with customers about a 757 replacement, what they call the middle market air, that a lot of them were anxious for, particularly our local airline, Delta, that has the biggest fleet of 757s in the world. As it currently stands, I saw a statistic this week, Delta as I think 20% of the seven global 757 fleet. And they were willing to be the lead. They had made comments to Boeing that they were willing to be the lead customer, whereas the customer that's willing to go through some pains with Boeing in terms of the design and developing training programs and those things that the lead customer always does with, their, with the manufacturer to get the plane launched, actually manufactured and out there being delivered. That's how important... The middle market airplane mm-hmm. that Boeing was was thinking about and gathering customer requirements and trying to figure out a design that would fit most of the requirements of the airlines around the world. So that was going on while while this decision is being made to re-engine. So, so now all of a sudden you've got there. There's another another important topic we've talked about that's built in that. I mean, you're right in my opinion too. The infinite game, finite game that Simon Simic. Uh, talks about is in play here. What's another one that's in play here? 
definitely say, I mean, it ties in, but um, making decisions based on uh, love versus making decisions based on fear. Exactly right. Right. Because fear, the- fear of losing market share, fear of losing profitability to a competitor. Right. Is all built in that decision making. So sticking to your why and sticking to more of a love based kind of decision, love for your company, love for your employees, love for your customers. And by customers, I mean, not only the airlines, but the people they're put, the airlines are putting in their airplanes. Right. From that perspective is being made. So in order to re-engine the airplane, to get more efficiency on an airplane and particularly the engines, you have to make them bigger. Mm-hmm. And for those who've paid attention when they've gotten on a 737, the, the, en- the clearance from the ground to the engine on the, on the what's called the NG series, which was before the MAX, it's, it's not very big. There's not a lot of clearance between the ground and the bottom of the engine. So when you make the engine bigger, you've got to make mod- modifications to the airframe, you know, the biggest of which is you've got to make the struts that connect the wheels to the main body of the airplane taller to give you the clearance necessary for the engine, the bigger engine on the wing. You're also putting more weight. And now all of a sudden you've got a weight balance issue that you have to deal with. And so there was concerns by the engineers about from a, so you've got higher thrust with more efficiency and a bigger engine, which requires changes to the airframe. And so they developed a system called MCAS in the cockpit to deal with some potential situations, which with the increased thrust and where the engine is located on the airplane would cause the nose to go up. And so they were relying on technology to sort of help push that the nose of the aircraft back down to where it needed to be to adjust for that. Now, one one of the cost factors in going to a new airplane too for a customer is how much new training is going to have to go into our hundreds or thousands of pilots for the new technologies in the new airplane. And so that dries up their costs. And so Boeing was trying to be mindful of that. And that's where we get into the the trouble of the certification process and the you know alleged fraud charges against the chief technical pilot because of statements that you know the government is saying he made in the certification process that weren't true, and therefore right. we have the the an indictment. It's just an indictment at this point for the fraud charges. So once again, that brings up a. Love versus fear, and once again, you have fear of the competition. Are you are you getting pressure from above for you to make statements in front of the FAA, or are you doing it out of your own fear for your job or for your company, not wanting to lose market share and everything else to the competition? Right. So this this all points to why I make such a big deal about the impact that leadership has in the world. Because when, whenever you're a leader, even if you're a self-leader, you know, we've talked a lot about self-leadership, right? Mm-hmm. When you're making decisions in the self-leadership mode, you're making decisions for yourself. Right. Any, any kind of decisions that you make is going to affect you. You know, you're making choices in your life. 
that's why I, you know, I'm big on when people make the decision to start their own business, to do the self inner work, understand your why, understand about the finite infinite game, understand about your personal brand, understand you might be projecting your fears on other people to include your customers. And that if you really want to be successful in your business, you're going to have to go through some rough patches. And are you prepared to make decisions in the appropriate way? Because your, your decisions are going to have an impact on you, on your business, your employees, and your customers. Right. And depending on what that, what your business is, what product you have or service you offer, as we saw, it can, it can have, you know, small consequences. I mean, if it's a small toy or something that breaks, it's disappointing, sure. But with the Boeing situation, I mean, that didn't just cost, you know, millions of dollars. That cost lives, which are really priceless. Costs lives. Costs billions upon billions of dollars. Costs people their jobs. Right. You know, as you garner more responsibility as a leader... The impact of your decisions are greater and greater upon other people. Right. All the more reason why you need to do the inner work to, to make sure, even if you have pressures, that you're not leaving the swim lane. You understand the why of your organization. You understand ethics. You understand the infinite, finite game. Why does the business exist? And are you living that out loud? Right. And I would, because I, I see a lot of people get into business and they do it because it makes good money, right? Mm -hmm. That industry makes good money, but there's no, there's no real why behind it. And so every decision is based out of fear is based off the finite game of bottom line and profit margins, cash flow. Right. Stock price. And most of the time, I know where those people or those businesses start to turn. Start to make decisions not based out of integrity, not based out of trust, honesty. But at some point, it may be, okay, we can, you know, we'll, we'll maintain this lane, but we still don't make profit. But when they're squeezed, things start to crash. Shortcuts start to get made. Promises start to be broken. I mean. Well, go back to a comment you made before we started recording, the servant leadership. Right. It's another one that needs to be brought into this conversation, right? Well, from that perspective, right, you're talking about self-leadership, but then servant leadership is even bigger here because you've got to look at it from a standpoint of it's not just all about me. Because, yes, you have to be a self-leader to lead anybody else. You have to be able to lead yourself first. Mm-hmm. But then we, when we were talking about servant leadership, it's basically humbling yourself to put the needs of your people first. Now, who are your people in this situation, mm -hmm. right? It's not just your, your team, your management, your employees. In a business situation, it is... You know, it's your client. So in Boeing's situation, who are their clients, right? Yeah, sure, it's the airlines. They bought the aircraft, 
right? So is that where the, you know, is that where it stops? No. The end user is the, is the passenger of the airline. Well, they're the end of the food chain, right? Right. They're the end, end, end customer in the value chain. Right. And so the leadership of Boeing should have the viewpoint of how do we serve that customer? Not just how do we make the most profit? Well, to see profit as an outcome. Well, yeah. So the main driving force, it's the outcome. It's right. the outcome of living out our why, servicing the market needs, regardless of what the timeline is. Right. To, to continue the strategy of bringing new technologies to their most popular airplane or our highest volume selling airplane. And to keep that strategy going, regardless of what the competition's doing. The competition can't do that. Right. You don't have the technology that you've developed, or at least not to the same extent. And with that, with that servant leadership mindset, and you're talking about sticking in the same lane and product being a outcome or um, a leader I follow in business, he would call it a byproduct. Okay. Right. It's not the main focus. It's right. the main point here. Right. Now, if you have a business, you want profit. Otherwise, you're not going to be in business. Yeah, I'm not saying totally ignore you're not it. A, you know, but. it's not a charity, right? But and regardless of religious views or anything, there's there's actually a Bible verse that stands out to me on this. Okay, it's actually in my email signature because I try to live my life like this. It's Galatians uh, six nine. It says, "Let us not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap the harvest if we do not give up." Right. So to reword that, let us not stop living out our why for a quick buck. And that we will achieve the byproducts that we want if we don't give up, if we stay focused on the target and, you know, do our best to grow and to develop, to be who we want to be, to live out that why the most in business or in life. Yeah, I used to tell my team all the time. So I was on the services side of Boeing, not on the manufacturing side. And it was a consulting practice. So I I always told them, if we deliver a quality service that brings value to the customer, the money will come. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they will tell two friends and their two friends will tell two friends and so forth and so on. The money will come if we focused on the customer's needs, solving their technical problems, and delivering a quality experience with them. The money will come. Don't worry right. about that. Focus on the customer and their needs. Well, and I can't get into specifics here, but in my industry, right? There, there's other ways to go within my industry. You and I have talked about this mm-hmm. off recording, right? You know what I'm referring to, but yep. there's other ways that, you know, somebody could come in instead of working with me, they could go work for another company and turn around and make a much quicker buck right up front. But it's not by doing what's right. It's not by playing the infinite game. It's playing the finite game. Mm-hmm. And I love to run into somebody who's had somebody in my industry playing the finite game. <laughs> it's much easier sell for you because of the pain they've been through. Exactly. Right. And it's easy to lay out. So, you know, it, it's all about 
living out your why and if i want to if we want to simplify that back it's always doing what's right for the end user or the client how are you serving them mm-hmm. is every decision you make based off profit or is it based off of the client need in the airline it's getting them there safely effectively giving them comfort at the same time on the on the tr- flight just to use that as well, an example. The, yeah, the absolute given for an airline is you've got to get them from point A to point B safely. Well, yeah, you would first and foremost. If you don't do that, you'll you'll quickly go out of business. But but the decisions that were made in this situation, that given did not happen. Well, airlines were trusting Boeing at their word, right? So, so for an airline, that's that's an automatic given they have to do. Then mm-hmm. beyond that. Where they compete is at the service level. Right. You know, what's your experience with the airline from buying the ticket to checking in to your time on the airplane to your time getting your luggage and quickly getting to wherever your true final destination is in that city or area. Right. From that perspective, that's how they compete. It's much more of a commodity kind of business from that perspective. You've got multiple... Airlines to choose from and all about the same kind of price point from getting from point A to point B. And the differentiation is in the service. Mm-hmm. But the, you know, the, from a manufacturing standpoint, your goal is to meet the airline's needs in terms of what markets they're serving. So, mm-hmm. what is the demand for the number of passengers and seats? And therefore, what size airplane do you need? And then can you economically make the flight of that? Airplane from point A to point B with a profit, knowing what the market is going to allow for pricing wise for that seat. Right. And all that goes into the conversations during the requirement phases, you know, Boeing going in asking a customer, okay, where, where are you at in terms of fleet needs and how can we help you with that? And that's just always an ongoing conversation with an airline. Biggest reason of which is it just takes a long time to get an airplane to market and to the customer. Such a complex object that it takes a lot of engineering work and design. And then then you have the whole flight testing and certification process to make sure it's all safe and good to go. And you're not going to have any issues with the airplane when you start putting passengers on it. The biggest problem we had on the services side at Boeing was that our, our time frame was much shorter one to two to three years to bring something to market. And for the airplane side, it was five to 10. And so manufacturing processes don't necessarily always translate well on the services side when your time frame is so much shorter. And that's part of the, part of the reasons why Boeing decided to pull the services side out of manufacturing and make it its own unit. They were doing that three, four years ago. It's its whole separate corporate entity now that's totally focused on the services side. For that, that's one of the biggest drivers for it is that the timeframes and processes are so much shorter um, than the manufacturing side. Anyway, difficult subject to talk about because people's lives are involved, both those facing potential criminal charges versus those that lost lives. But 
it makes it makes for an environment where you can take these things that we've talked about and apply them in real life yeah. and see why why it is that we I mean, talk about this all the time. It's a tangible representation of why we talk about this and drive these points home so often. Because mm -hmm. if we don't, example A. Yeah, I'm definitely afraid that <clears throat> the whole 737 MAX situation is going to be in business books for years. Oh, yeah. You know, studied in MBA programs and so forth. Well, and honestly, I mean, it's a great way to teach through history how to not repeat it. Well, to, sh contexts. to show that there, there are repercussions or consequences to every decision that gets made. Right. Just, you just have to know that going into making decisions. And the key to it from a leadership perspective is to understand that and think about what could be the repercussions out of decisions. And is it, are we making it out of love or fear? Right. So I think to string all that together, right, to kind of bring this or tie it all together is, number one, are those decisions you're making, is it, based out of love is it based out of fear is it you know playing in the infinite arena or the finite arena and at the end of the day are you if you're just starting off are you able to lead yourself and therefore able to lead others if you're not just starting out are the decisions you're making self-serving profit serving or are they serving others and like we said earlier it, we're not saying don't ever make a profit right you need to make a profit in order to survive. I mean, we're not saying that at all. It's more about staying in the swim lane, living out your why, and making longer-term decisions that are good for yourself, good for your company, good for your customers. I mean, it's, I've never talked to a man, but I have to imagine that's why Simon Sinek brought it oh, yeah. to the table for people to think about, is for this exact thing that we've been talking about. Y'all help us grow uh, the following of this podcast so we can get him on here. We'll just yeah, introduce him and let him talk. Yeah, I would love to have dinner with the man. I mean, oh, yeah. I just absolutely would love to have that conversation. But who knows, maybe one day. So, well, with that, we definitely appreciate everybody who spent time with us, invested your time with us today. As, it, as I always say, it is our most valuable asset and non-renewable asset. And we pray that this generated some value. This gave you a real tangible, feelable, if you will, example of what it looks like when these concepts we talk about aren't applied. And, you know, Andy, I'd love to do some some observations on when they are applied. Right? Right. And well, dig in on the positive side of that as well. I mean, we, we talked about a news item. It's a headline and it's a story last week about this gentleman right. being indicted on six fraud charges. But... Sometimes it's important to sort of, if you will, lift the hood up on a news article and look at what all's behind it that you may not necessarily know about where these items that we've been talking about in previous episodes are real life things that go on in real life business, in boardrooms and so forth, and the impact that leadership has. I mean, that's uh, it's a big part of the why, why I'm in this business and so forth, because I believe in it so much, because I understand the impact. I mean, when you're, when you're like myself that had to go through three rounds of layoffs and laying off people. 
yeah. as a leader in a company and you see the impact it makes on people that you are working with every day, it hits hard. Mm-hmm. It absolutely hits hard. And and then then to have it happen to yourself too, the ends ends a 22-year career with the company. Leadership has consequences and decisions that are made. And, you know, I'm sort of out here trying to figure out ways to make the decisions that leadership make out in the world are a much more higher quality. Because there are things you can do as a leader to, it's not to say you could ever totally eliminate layoffs or those type things, but certainly you could find ways to minimize it. By, by the way that you do your leadership. And there are good examples out there. We need to go find a good example right. of business decisions that were made in love instead of fear and for the long term and so forth and bring that in an episode two. Agreed. To, to give sort of that side an equal voice, if you will. So I'm going to hunt around for one of those. Anyway, we're going to wrap it up. Like you said, I hope this episode brought some value and some information or things you didn't know, you know, in this situation and how the topics that we talk about come to bear. Even, you know, we talk mostly about small businesses, but Boeing being the biggest dollar-wise exporter of the United States, it hits home too. Right. So it doesn't matter the size of your company, it's all valid. It all applies, everything that we talk about. So we hope you have um, a good day, a good week. Thank you once again for um, joining us on this episode. We hope you'll hit that subscribe button and follow us on our journey as we try to generate value in people's lives. And I hope you'll tune in next Tuesday for the next episode. So that being said, have a great day and take care. Have a great week. Thank you all. Thank you so much for joining us today on this episode of the Generate Your Value podcast. If you find our conversations to be useful in your life, I invite you to subscribe to our podcast so that you don't miss an episode. You can find me online on Instagram at The Fitzpreneur, Facebook, and LinkedIn. For information on my coaching services, if you're in the Atlanta area, go to www.generateyourvalue.com. You can also find me and my company on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Simply search for Generate Your Value on those platforms. Once again, thanks for joining us for today's podcast, and we invite you to generate your value in this world.